everybody. Uh, welcome to this episode of the Chem Convos podcast. Today we're joined by another awesome guest, Dr. Nadal. Uh, Laya, do you want to introduce yourself to our audience, please? Uh, yeah, hi. Um, thanks for having me. So my name is Laya and I'm from Spain and I am a lecturer at Glasgow Uni. And I started my independent career two years ago, just when the pandemic started. So it's been really challenging. And now I'm supervising two PhD students, a master and a bachelor undergrad. And we are doing computational chemistry and I interact with experimentalists. And my end goal is to do my own experiments and my own theory. But slowly I'll get there. That's really cool. <laughs> I guess to start uh, broad, uh, could you tell us more about your, your life jo- journey? So I come from a small town, a rural area in Spain. And uh, my, from my mom's family, they have vineyards. So when I was growing up, I was helping them collecting the grapes every, every year. So And then it's a small industrial area as well. So when I was growing and uh, when I started to work, my first experiences were uh, in industry, settle, mm-hmm. um, making shampoos, basically. <laughs> That's oh, what wow. I was doing. So mm-hmm. then I, I went to uni and um, I studied chemistry. And I really like it. And um, well, then one opportunity bring another. I wanted to see the wall. I went to uh, the Netherlands for an Erasmus. And then I came back. So I did my uh, PhD at the same uni I did my undergrad, which is in Tarragona. It's Universitat Rovira de Virgili. It's a public university in, in Spain. And um, it's well known in chemistry because there is a big chemistry hub in the area. And uh, this is where big companies have petrol uh, refinery. And uh, it's, it's the home of Dow Chemistry, BSF, Repsol, and many others that provide supplies. So chemistry, so chemistry was very safe for me to start with because I knew there would be employment nearby. So my intention was never to be brave and be around the wall. It's just like, yeah, okay, I'll study this because I have employment nearby. And then I did my PhD there and I really liked research. So I got the opportunity to come to Glasgow and it was just for two years. I never envisaged anything else. And then to consider academic career, I thought I would like to apply for other jobs elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, as you know, it's very competitive. You, you apply for fellowships, you get them, you don't get them. So what happened, I, instead of securing those funding, I, I got... Uh, extensions here in Glasgow Mm -hmm. and it was very good because we managed to do a very nice job with my postdoc and then for family security reasons I wanted a more safe uh, job and that's why I took like the opportunity to be manager in in a big group that is a big professor Carmen's group and this was for four years but then family circumstances everything changed and then I wanted to reconsider (laughs) my uh, job my uh, what I wanted to do and the opportunity to be a lecturer and start my own independent career happened. I applied for other places, but the one that I got interviewed and I finally secured the position was in Glasgow. And this was just before the pandemic. And during the pandemic, I really loved this job. So I will stay in academia for at least five, 10 years more. We'll see, you know, life changes and you can travel around the world and who knows. But so far, I'm settling Glasgow. So. Was there ever an option uh, for you to stay in Spain? There were options to return. Mm. Uh, what happened is 
I never considered them because the salaries were not very big. <laughs> and and although I thought like what I'm doing, in, I mean, everybody wants to be close to their families, right? Mm -hmm. But that, that what happens is like the salary and it, it's sad. But after being a PhD, now 10 years on, that I could apply for a position with the same same salary that I had when I was fresh out from my PhD, it's mm. very sad, you know. It's like yeah. I was 20 something, I'm 30 something now, yeah. you know. In 10 years, I need a better job. Sorry, my cat is making <laughs> that's okay. So yeah, that's that's it. So that's why I never considered. But who knows, maybe in 10 years. When I'm more established in my career, I want to move and a good opportunity happens either in Spain or elsewhere in the world. And I don't know, family reasons, who knows? And I, I want to move. So that, that's what I like about academia as well. It's pretty flexible yeah. if, if you really want. So from your experience then, how do you think the academic system in Spain compares to the UK? So obviously you've kind of been in both. How would you say there's a comparison there? Well, there is more money in the UK. That's it. <laughs> That's what makes a difference. Fair and square. And uh, in the UK, there is something called the EPSRC and the different councils and are independent with... Uh, so in Spain, there is one big council that is Agencia Estatal de Investigación, AYE, and I did um, a grant uh, review for them. And this changed my outlook because what happened is like, there is, there is very good people, but there is very little money. So only the big labs in Spain get postdocs, if you want, or it's it's less evenly distributed than in the UK. And then the system is hyper competitive and very sad sometimes. You've met me now. <laughs> Sorry. I just love no it. So okay. It's very it's natural. Great. It's pandemic style, yeah. right? No, 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 no. We're in our home. Just for our listeners, it's the cat catching the ball. So. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so this is how it compares. And then my experience here, so I was lucky enough to go to interviews. I've, I've not, I'm now listed as a panel reviewer here in the UK. But I've been to interviews here, and although it's very scary when you go to one of these meetings in, uh, and you, you, you need to talk about your research uh, with uh, big academics asking you questions, and you know that uh, more than one or two million pounds are on stake here, mm -hmm. um, I found it very enriching experience in a way that, okay, you put your grant, is reviewer by serious people, and you get feedback, mm -hmm. which in the Spanish system, the feedback part is not happening. So I'm hoping that for next generations of academics, they, they take charge, um, we, they will be able to change mm -hmm. address this. And, and there is very good things happening in Spain too. I'm not saying yeah, like, yeah, I'm not going sure. there because I don't like them. It's just, I find it better here at this moment. Mm -hmm. That's fair. So you, you briefly mentioned that, you know, how you, you apply for, for fellowships and there are a lot of rejections. So we were wondering whether you could share with us any specific rejections in academia, any, any personal stories that you... Mm, yeah, I mean, sharing rejection is the norm these days because there is a 10% chance of getting roughly in the pens. So what happens is the problem is that your personal life and your mobility goes hand in hand. So if you have a partner, this person needs to agree with you to move elsewhere in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So 
this is hard for men, women, anybody that wants, mm -hmm. like for, for humans working in academia. So your personal life is very important. So a very good program is the Marie Curie program because what happens is that gives you a little bit of uh, support for your uh, partner. Okay. So they consider that, I mean, people at 30 somethings they have relationships and if they want to move abroad they they will have their family with them and so mm -hmm. so this is a very good uh, program for that so what i did i applied three times <laughs> so one time to come from spain to the uk but uh, my supervisor so people if you have a postdoc uh, if you secure a postdoc after uh, your phd yes apply for fellowships but make sure that the lab wants you so I applied for this one and then um, it didn't happen the three times, but it was for good because, well, I had like a, already, Lee Gronin already offered me like the position as a postdoc. So I knew I had it like secure. I just applied for um, this Marie Curie and three or four others from, from Spain and, and the Newton Fellowship and so I didn't secure any, but I already, it, it was a B plan. So in that lab, they could apply save money instead of hiring me from that money they could hire someone else but this says a lot from the person hiring right that don't worry it's just i really want you i'm gonna i have money for you just apply for these uh, fellowships so we can uh, uh, employ other people so this mm -hmm. is important mm -hmm. so yeah mm -hmm. the, the problem is when your contract is about to end and then you really need a fellowship for secure your next career move. This is when the problem is. So now I have a permanent position. And now if I apply for grants, I still have my permanent position. So all these people in Twitter that say, oh, my grant got rejected. Oh, if you are a PI, it's part of life. It's just like you still have, you can pay your mortgage, you can pay your bills, you can pay everything. But what happens is when you are a PhD or a postdoc, that doesn't have job security and everything depends on that fellowship, this is a problem. And I don't know how to address it. It's like the big labs can, and big, so the, the more you grow securing funding, the more flexibility you can have in offering people, okay, mm -hmm. I have a buffer for you. I can offer you six months uh, continuation of your salary. Meanwhile, you secure job, but other small labs, we cannot do that. Like for me, my PhD students, they finished, if I have a grant, I will try to offer them some continuations. Meanwhile, they find something else. But at this moment, I can't. So mm -hmm. it's something that needs to be addressed as well. And that's why academia is so harsh. Because rejection is very hard. And then, yeah, you can end up jobless and homeless. Yeah, well, waiting for a fellowship to come. Well, if you have friends and families, let's put it in an optimistic. If you have friends and families, yeah. you won't be homeless. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But... <laughs> But it's going to be tough, yeah. I think that I think that's definitely true, and that's actually quite good. It's moved us on to our next question, which is like, is it difficult for uh, do you think MSCs and PhDs to obtain work like post you know graduation, and you know do you do you think they then have the academic freedom to go on and you know be independent researchers, or you know do you think there's flaws in that system as as it kind of currently is? I mean, is a system that. That is flawed because it's very competitive, right? So if, if there would be money for everything, good. But it's flawed in itself. So when you, okay. So there is value, this kind of so-called independence and being independent thinker. And there is this kind of genius um, bias. So that, uh, that somebody when finish the PhD or the master, somehow will revolutionize a field that has 200 years history. Like, come on, what's the chance? 
So instead of valuing the human genius, we should start valuing the working in teams kind of thing. Mm. Because there is this, like, this thing, oh, if you, have, you need to secure a position after a PhD in academia, there is this lesson that you need three or four first author papers. Otherwise, you're not going to end up uh, without a perspective and anything. Mm -hmm. But sometimes there is, like, there is no enough data to do that. For, mm -hmm. I mean, look now in COVID. So like, there's people that had the lab shut. So we've been writing reviews like crazy, <laughs> but that's it. There is yeah. no data to back up any story of science. So this needs to change. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm always optimistic, but people need to think what they want after these three, four, five years of training. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you want to go to industry or it, it's not a failure, it's like, it's, it's this kind of thing. If you want to secure a job in this highly competitive world, you need to make sure you have lots of skills. So learning programming, data analysis, um, speaking in public, uh, selling your ideas, pitching, um, learning how to write a concise uh, summary. These are very transferable skills that would be useful in industry or in, in, in academia or in education, in, in anything. So it's just like we need to up value ourselves that because with some data didn't revolutionize the field, doesn't mean that our skills aren't, aren't uh, transferable mm -hmm. to any other kind of uh, industry. But mm -hmm. if you like to do research, the thing is like the path is normally you need to apply your skills in another lab. That's, that's the normal path. And then there is mobility required in a way, even within the country, mm -hmm. like within the UK, there's people that move from Scotland to London, London to Wales to see something and, and, and then around because this, this is at least required. So there is mobility required, mm -hmm. uh, but if not within countries and continents, and then this is when it's tricky. And sometimes it doesn't work. And some people have used the system from below and from on top, right? There is abuse in, in all directions and then it's not. So you're considered more or less a, a new PI, right? Or yeah. yeah, so I guess having that flexibility for students who just, so people who graduate from the lab that, that's fairly new, having the same expectations for them as for people from well-established labs is a, a little bit <laughs> too ambitious maybe, but um, yeah, it's, it's tough. The only good thing I have is I can have good relationships with other PIs and I can say, please, 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 please help out this person. Would be nice if, if this person is good in this and that and would be nice if, if uh, we can offer this person an opportunity. That's good. That's very good. So, I mean, that's the key. That's the only thing you can do, right? So the best exactly. that you can do. So. And that's why it's very important to have good relationship with, I mean, not be naive, but try to be civil with everybody. Don't, don't, don't burn bridges. It's very easy to burn bridges in academia because, uh, yeah, I don't know, this person have done a model better than I did, or this person has copied, and we are all copying each other all the time. <laughs> so, like, come on, let's lower our egos a little bit, let's help out. We're, what we're trying to do is discover in the good things, like good things that can revolution, that can help humanity to move. That's, that's the nice bit of it. Or we can, we're producing not producing, but we're um, helping people mm -hmm. to develop skills. Mm -hmm. oh, that, that's the thing. So we are producing the next generation of uh, employees mm -hmm. in highly skilled uh, that this society requires because mm -hmm. we can, 
we need people with uh, very good skills in, in this digital era, right? So that's that's towards the thing like the people. People is the most important thing that you can mm-hmm. have. Like, mm-hmm. They can copy your ideas, but they then cannot copy your network in a way because mm-hmm. your network is what you build over time. It's very yeah. well said. No, I, d- I, I agree with that. And I think you talked there a lot about kind of how you are as a PI and it's quite refreshing to hear it's kind of a different <laughs> approach that you take with your students. And I guess that's our question is like, what's the biggest lesson of all that you think you've learned so far as a new PI? You probably have many, but yeah, could you maybe choose one? Patience and communication too. Because, oh my God, when I'm trying to talk with them about ideas, Maybe we have tags of different molecules. So yes, I'm talking about just Friday. So Friday, it's like I was talking with one of my PhD students. Have you done the calculation of this? No. Like, why? Like we agreed, we told you. And he was referring to that molecule with one name tag. And I was referring to that molecule with another name tag. So we were both agreeing with like that, that was needed, but we were calling the same different names and I was getting angry. I was like, no, we agreed that. And, and I was like, very, the other person very frustrated, but I did it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what? All ah, right. Well, so it's, it's this miscommunication that is like, oh, it's very hard. So like mm-hmm. patience and communicate. And always, I'll try to always think the best of the person. It's like, we're all lazy. I'm lazy, but being lazy is a very good thing because you are a smart worker. So it means that you will do the minimum required so you have the maximum out- outcome. So work smart is called. So I, I'll tell them, be lazy, just do the minimum. <laughs> and then we discuss. But yeah, it's just patience and communication. These two big things. It's very hard to be lazy. It's, it's not as easy as it sounds. Like that's, no. that's one of the things that we always, because I also work for a very new PI. And when we, we discuss... She's always like, you have to work smart, not not hard. And I'm like, no, I can't. Because I feel I feel guilty just sitting at my desk. It's a, such a big problem. Like the, the balance of like the desk work and the lab work. I mean, not not a problem for computational chemistry, I assume, but <laughs> but um it's it's very important to you know. but nowadays my job is answering emails. Mm-hmm. Having meetings with other gra- people, uh, like lecturers for applying for posi- like things mm-hmm. and and trying to help my students, it's, it's and teaching. So I'm doing lots of desk work mm-hmm. and I'm trying to like, it's so easy to spend, like I'm not native English speaker. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I spend too far too long to write an email, mm-hmm. but because yeah. I want it to be like precise and concise and everything, mm-hmm. if I could do this with half of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're important life lessons as well. So outside of academia, being patient and just, yeah, communicating with people is really important. I think even being patient with yourself sometimes, because like you say, you, you sometimes take longer to do things and, you, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a native, native English speaker or not. I think generally, you know, sometimes you can take longer to do certain tasks and it's almost accepting that's okay. That makes sense. It's, yeah. You know, we all have those days, I think. So. And, and sometimes I have to work during the weekend and it's fine as well, even though I feel guilty, but, you know, it's like there is there is just this limited amount of time and that's the nice thing i like about my job that you can do whatever you want so it's amazing i can organize as long as i give the lectures at the times i have to give and i go to the conference of course the conference will not be around me but i'm flexible i can organize myself as i want and and this is amazing this is i mean 
one of the biggest privileges as an academic that like the flexibility to organize yourself so, as a as a PhD student you have it as well but it's dangerous <laughs> it can be both ways that either you work 24 7 yeah or you don't work at all <laughs> pretty much <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much yeah there are two extremes but you know what some PIs, um, I know that they prioritize the number of experiments, which was surprising to me because that was the approach that I was always taking. That like it's about like oh, the more you do, the better. But now I'm struggling with that because it's like no, it's not the more you do, the better. It's like what you do and how you do, and you can do a half but still have like more useful information out of it. And I think that's that's yeah. I mean, the whole PhD is just learning, right? So that's that's current state. Like I'm trying to learn that, but it's not it's not easy. I'm like, no, I want to set up thousand things and just. But yeah. I, I had a conversation with, with a friend uh, this week, and, and she said that she always tries to do so pose in a hypothesis, mm -hmm. and then try to do the simplest experiment to prove or disprove, like design of experiment, like the simplest way, like which variables we're gonna look at this and try to design the simplest one so we can discard or confirm the hypothesis or, or check. Of course, there are big questions that require lots of experiments and it's not the same. Trying like to answer the I don't know, origins of life or whether this particular ligand will interact with this metal. So it's, it's too big different, like depends on the mm -hmm. thing, right? But, but always try to do the simple one first. That's always my, my thing, like be simple and then we will complicate everything later on, but start <laughs> easy. So uh, one of the big questions, let's, let's kind of switch gears a bit, uh, was about uh, feminism. So what do you define ah. as feminism and how do you usually express it? So uh, there's been a, I mean, this week has been horrible in the UK about uh, like the, the trial and the murder of Sarah Everard and then Sabina Nessa as well. So I, I knew the word two names and others that, that happened. So this is a huge, the problem is with patriarchal societies and misogyny. And, and it's been like thousands and thousands of years that we are living in this kind of uh, oppressive system and it's trying to get better since women are allowed to work freely but what happened is as a lot of my girlfriends are academics and is still seen as a strange that women have authority but it's like look my gender it doesn't matter if a man woman whatever I just and the authority and the respect I gain is because I earn it it's not a given. What happens is like we are very as uh, evolve, evolved, we evolved to have like some kind of hierarchical societies. Mm -hmm. And this is what feminism challenge is like this kind of there's always need to be a leader and the leader will have these characteristics that will have this kind of strong voice and, and doesn't smile and is very assertive and there are no doubts and always knows what, what to do. And there are other styles of leadership that are also valid and, and we should accept them. And science particularly needs everyone and everything because the more diverse community we become, the less homogeneous line of thought we will have and the more complex things we can, we will be able to answer. So that's why we need 
to normalize being a woman doing science. And it's not like, I don't want to be a woman in science. I just want to be a person in science. That, that's the thing is like, I hope in 20 years when I'm elder, <laughs> if I'm still in this career, I, it's going to be like 50-50 in, in all the departments. And, and we will value different things. It's like, what can you bring in the department that you work to create good relationships, I'll build up a good atmosphere to work. That's, that's very important. People in happy environments and safe environments will be more productive than when there is a big fight between people, right? So, and, and these are things that normally are more feminine traits for like, I mean, and, and, and no, like I, I'm always trying to build up communities and we are, I don't know, more like how to say, I don't want to compete with my peers. I, I don't care if, if you publish three papers in whatever journal. I don't care. It's like, how do you treat your people? That's very important. And that is a value that's been overlooked. And uh, I think uh, if feminism values become wider spread, uh, we will enrich the society. So that's my message. Mm -hmm. So I, I just wanted like, I'm not, I don't want to be a special to be a woman in STEM. I want this to be super normal and that- No, like, I think- it's, it's important. I think you said there at the patriarchal system, you know, that's causing this kind of divide. Do you think that's why perhaps women are taken less seriously than men in kind of STEM fields? Yes, I'm reading a book, a book about that at the moment. Okay. And, and it's, it's because of that, because women have been oppressed over centuries. And basically we are seen like as wombs and carriers of babies. And um, basically... If you can control, so we are so valuable in, in early societies that the only way to control the descendants of your line was to control the woman and the wombs. So what they wanted is to oppress the whole feminism, the females on that uh, tribe. So they just have um, mates within the tribe. So they will have a stable line of descendants. So they can be different from this other tribe. So that's been carried on over centuries. And then what happens is like now we have values that for being respected, uh, sometimes in like beauty is seen as a bias as well. So if you are too beautiful, you're too pretty to be a scientist. Like mm. I've been told that many times and I'm like, I've does it matter if I'm pretty or not to, to pipette something in the lab? No, it, it's no. just like, I mean, we, we need to grow up as society and see each other equals and stop like uh, romanticizing everything and all the relationships. And it's like romantic Hollywood films also have made a lot of harm in human relationships. Mm -hmm. It's like, in trying, like, okay, you need to find the one and then you need to be in a relationship to be a whole person. And then like, no, well, no. all these things need, need to change and we need to see each other with respect. Mm -hmm. and, and then a lot of things will change, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But it's like, yeah, I hope in the future generations uh, and our generation need to fight for future mm -hmm. generations to to be seen as equal. Yeah, that's very well said, especially about the Thank movies. <laughs> it's never, it's never like that. Never. No. And not even about like romantic movies, like any movies. They they are mm. just destroying our reality because we we yeah. 
watch it and then it's like, oh, that's how it's gonna be. And no, no, not really. That's the that's the fun of life. At the end of the day, you don't know what to expect. You know, if it's all like a movie, then you know what's the where's the fun in that? You know. And and in science, it's like it's always like the male genius that will have the brilliant idea and save the plot twist at the end and they know what to, it's like, no, 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 no. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a collective of people bringing up ideas and, mm-hmm. and trying to help others grow as humans, right? This is mm-hmm. how I see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you uh, have you guys watched uh, what was it? Imitation Game. I think they're um, they they kind of by yeah. by putting. I remember vaguely that when when Kira Knightley was was in that room and and she was like, yeah, I finished the the exam or something. They like I think they were addressing that that problem really well. Although the main character was still a man, which is not good. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but I think they kind of a little bit addressed that. But they the should same, do it more. The, the same with the uh, the one. Uh, how is it the one of Chernobyl? Mm. Uh, there was this oh, female yeah. character that represented all the scientists that were mm-hmm. taking part in addressing that massive you know, failure of nuclear reactor, which was mm-hmm. super scary. So mm-hmm. yes, they, they try to address it slowly. Mm-hmm. But even though when we are reviewing science and trying, what happens is like because people can do things very badly. So the three of us, imagine we have an idea, right? Mm-hmm. Henry does all the experiments. Uh, Medina, you you do all the theory, <laughs> and I direct. <laughs> so then because it was my idea to say something uh, and, and we're going to write something together I'm going to be the first person on that paper and then you guys are at the end like is this fair if we all contributed shouldn't be all equal in that piece mm-hmm. of work yeah. or, or or maybe I'm, I'm I bring the money I pay for you I'm, I'm okay it's fine but mm-hmm. then h- how to decide like the contributions is, is like if, if the world work is divided between you two like you should both be first author but because there is just one position it can be just one then it's so horrible this kind Mm -hmm. of hierarchical Mm -hmm. things that happen in science is we need to be accountable so imagine we make mistakes during our work and Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. we need to be held accountable because Mm -hmm. we can be saying that we solve uh, cold fusion in an afternoon (laughs) obviously it's not going to be true but so the, the author list needs to be accountable for the data we present. But mm-hmm. we need to be smarter and make it fairer for, for everyone contributing. And I think team membership should be reflected in author mm-hmm. lists. And mm-hmm. I, I don't have the, the solution. I think shared mm-hmm. authorships or first co-authorship should, should be a right share first or share. Mm-hmm. But then what happens is because there's so many people abusing the system mm-hmm. that nothing, it, it can be broken and nothing makes any sense anymore. The worst part of that is obviously that that's what's then used as a a metric for you know getting people tenure or you know getting them in you said to PI positions you know because you can have I don't know five second author papers but you could have actually done a lot of the work but that's not going to be recognised because whoever's first gets all the credit kind of thing or the reverse you you could have been lucky and been put in papers because mm-hmm. you're very good at doing IRs to say mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. And, and you've done IRs for everybody in that department. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have like I don't know twenty papers, mm-hmm. but you just don't really Like this is something like. Yeah, I think papers usually have that at the end, right? They're like, oh, this person did this part of the the work, and etc. And I think so. You said that there's no solution, and and I agree, there's no like clear solution. But I feel like one of the things that are important um, is the communication, uh, because for example, everyone wants to be a first author, right? Like. Clearly, that's that's the that's the goal, the ultimate goal for everyone. And if there's a project that, let's say, 
I started leading. And if there's mm-hmm. someone who, who is helping me, but if that person also wants to be a first author and they put as much effort as, as I did, then maybe if they communicated that instead of just being pissed at, 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 at someone, not, not even me, but like, yeah. you know, just like a general mm-hmm. I, uh, um, situation and, and um, you know, come and talk and be like, listen, I need this because I am in this position and I need papers and blah, blah, blah. I, is there anything else that I can do to help you with that? And, and there's no such thing. Like, it's not like the whole thing is going to switch and I'm going to be a second author. Like you can be a co-author. Right. So I think it's the communication is the, is the key. And that's like, Mm-hmm. And, and writing down who did what that, yeah. That, that, yeah that is changing a lot so that when i started uh, it didn't happen oh really when i was doing my phd this was not a thing but now it is and i really like it yeah i like at it too. least you can see it's like yes as a first author or second or a contributing author doing? which is very important but mm-hmm. if if this person like I, I mean i have now a paper that has been like in the boiling pot like forever mm-hmm. hopefully it will be submitted soon Lee, please, if you are listening to me, <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about. So do it. Mm. Anyway, but this paper has been like three laps over four to five years. And, and it's, it's so many people. And it needs, like, this piece of work needs the contribution of so many. And everybody's been super patient and super nice. And uh, nobody's been struggling to get the PhDs or postdocs or anything. So it's, it's, mm. it's a long line of work, but mm. nobody's struggling with positions. But everybody is important in that paper. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, this is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and for sure. Like, we need to be, I, I don't know, a community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. Build, build supportive communities in science mm-hmm. and not yeah. sharks that just whatever elbow each other around, yeah. just be the first author. No. Yeah. We need fine. to be less I selfish. Think- less selfish is the key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think to that extent, like the list itself is somewhat arbitrary. I think it's more about the contributions and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if, you know, Medina's first on the paper, I'm second, you know, at the end of the day, it's what do we each do? And in an interview, that should be the question is what did you do? Yeah. Not where are you on the list? Because. Oh, if that's the question at the interview, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving. I don't want to work for people who ask that at the interview, whether you're uh-huh. a first author or a second. No, no. They shouldn't ask that, though. No. It's, no. it's what you've but, but done. That, but that's the sad reality, I think. And it's what Laya was saying just then, that that's the way it is at the moment. And that's what needs to, among and other things, it's one of the things that needs to change. One of the things that needs, it's like papers are like the currency of academia mm-hmm. and uh, like editorials and journals are like the banks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I see it like this way, like apply capitalism. Well, capitalism is another thing, like this patriarchy and capitalism. Mm-hmm. So these things need to, patriarchy needs to disappear and capitalism well, needs to improve in a way. Mm-hmm. So it's very good when you want credit for a house, that there are banks that give you credit. That's great. It's a good system, but it can be abused, as, mm-hmm. as we know for so many economic scandals. The same with documents, papers, and, and, and magazines. So it's very good that uh, journals uh, save our data and display it so everybody, like I can go to a journal and see what somebody did in my field 30 years ago. This mm-hmm. is invaluable. It's like, it's amazing as humanity, we have these repositories of information. But at the same time, it can be abused. And, and mm-hmm. like, it shouldn't be because the most important thing we have is trust. Mm-hmm. So I need to trust that Medina and Henry will go to the lab and to the best of their abilities, they will produce data that is 
nice and there's not going to be fraud. So mm -hmm. nobody will speak each other's reactions. Yeah. Nobody will delete each other's data. But sadly, these things happen. Yeah. And, or, or, or I don't know, sending papers, forgetting other names that you should add and things like that. It's like, no, no, no. We need mm -hmm. to the best of our abilities. And if there is a problem, there should be a way to address it. But mm -hmm. we need, if, if we start doing behaving badly, we will destroy the trust in the system. Mm -hmm. And then if we destroy the system, what we're going to do, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to publish everything in blocks. I'm going to have my website. These are layer results. You know, it's just like, no. We, yeah. Like, yeah, you, you raise really good points. I think it, it makes me think that I feel like people forgot why they're doing it. Like, it's not for that. It's for science. And and I personally, I admit, I forget that too sometimes. I'm like, no, no, I just I need to publish. Yeah. I just need to publish. But then, like, something is not working. I'm like, okay, I have to, you know. It's like I'm counting the number of days until I can publish something or, like, start writing a manuscript. And that's so wrong. Like, it's mm. it's all about I mean, the science and the learning experience. But I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned at the top of the, the interview today about, you know, the advancement in society. That's ultimately what science is all about. It's, you know, improving society and, you know, people's lives at the end of the day. You know, it's not about whether you're first author or not. That's irrelevant, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. so. And it's sad, but it's, it's like sometimes I, like, I don't know if you've been to many conferences. They're like, you should do like the types of people you meet at conferences kind of <laughs> podcast. <laughs> there is a type, a specific one. And it's very, like some people in science are like the social skills sometimes are not high in people that do science so it's okay mm -hmm. i understand that but the first thing that somebody tell you is like oh i just published in that journal and da, da, da. great but what you've discovered no mm -hmm. no where you put in your information mm -hmm. what have you done that's what i care like mm -hmm. whether you i mean it's nicer if you published in in, in a widespread journal but come on what you've done what what what's the take well, how you made it what can you do better you know we should start having this type of conversations more in comfort. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I may sound idealistic, but I see all the bad things and I'm trying just to call them out by their name. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, like, yeah. It's important. It's important. We need more people like yourself and, you know, others that we've had on here as well before that, you know, not afraid to, to tell it how it is because, you know, it's, it's a system that needs to change. It's not going to happen overnight. So we need people to speak up about it so mm -hmm. yeah and your uh, podcast helps a lot i think to to, to put oh, the, the ideas in, in the main yeah oh that's good to hear <laughs> cool so we're gonna switch gears again so if you've listened to previous episodes you probably hear about our ran random question that we have every episode uh and today's random question is something related to i think we did it during lockdown which is like oil painting and we were wondering about what the last painting you did was you could talk about it oh i can't even show it to you it's half done so oh, okay the, it was um it was the um, the cliffs of dover oh, <laughs> so mm -hmm. i went there on a trip and then um yes i started painting it then lockdown happened it happens my flat is very small i don't paint in oils here apart there is that crazy cat that you'll see as like <laughs> i'm painting something the cat comes it's, it's destroyed but uh yes i i have it i'm gonna go and show it to you very well Thank you. I can send you this picture. So, oh my know. God, it looks oh, so pretty. But it it's needs, it needs lots of work still. So the greens need to be better and, and stuff. Oh, but wow. I love oil painting. It's one of the things that 
I don't meditate. I don't have the patience to meditate or do anything. But <laughs> sitting there and playing with colors and just focusing on the shade and the different. Oh, yeah, that's mm. good. It's very yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. It looks awesome. Do you, Thanks. Do you know the painter? Do, do you know Bob Ross? Have you yeah. heard of him? Yeah. yeah. Like he, he, he's a, such an inspirational painter. I think that's really cool. I, don't, I didn't know if you had an inspiration from him or like someone else. Uh, of the inspiration comes from very strange. Uh, so it came from a podcast that I listened from. Okay. And there is a professor. I think he is in the University of New York. He's an economics professor. He's called Xavier Salai Martin, and uh, he's very liberal uh, kind of person. But he always talks about boosting creativity and things that you could do to be more creative. And one of the, the, them that he recommended was painting. And it's because you s- we see the world with these big eyes of us. And we see it in a way that is very like black and white sometimes. Mm-hmm. But when you sit down and have try to reproduce nature and, and, and everything, so it's, it makes you see the world in a different way. And this is what science is about. So. We have the reality, but we need to see it a slightly different way. And that's why all training yourself to see stuff in a different way mm-hmm. is important. So that's why being creative, it's, it's important for scientists. So mm-hmm. whether you paint, you draw, you dance, do something. Just, yeah. Just to see the world in a... Uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be a meditation. I also suck at meditation. I'm trying to pass out every time. I start listening and then I just sleep. I can't. Yeah. I can, I can. <laughs> me, me the same. And I'm like, this is kind of my, my meditation. Then I, I do yoga. Yoga is good. I try to run. I'm, I'm not very good at it. Yep. But I try and yes. I run, I run, I run inside on the treadmill. <laughs> I, uh, I don't like running outside. I, uh, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah I this is another meditation. Reason. As well, it's just yeah. mm-hmm. well, sure. we need to control our brains in a way. Like the sure. thoughts, mm-hmm. they come, and sometimes our brain wants to protect us in a way. Mm-hmm. But then we need to like, no, don't be, don't go there into that dark hole. Go mm-hmm. here, there is light, right? So yeah. Mm-hmm. So just to finish up with a philosophical question, uh, what do you think about unconscious bias and how it can affect scientific research? <laughs> I'm an easy one all I know is I have lots of biases that's mm-hmm. all the thing and then what's the truth so the truth is an experiment that confirms your hypothesis well, what happens is this hypothesis is wrong and the experiment confirms something wrong right and then it's like ah. Oh! The, the nice bit of experimental science is like we have controls and normally we can address this in, in years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have something intuition. So intuition tells us a lot of what to expect and that's very important in science too. So, I don't know, unconscious bias, you know, you know the periodic table, right? We know more or less the reactivity of everything. But there are a lot of things that we don't know. Mm-hmm. So our bias might tell us that the reaction may not work, but until we don't try it, mm-hmm. we don't know. And what did this work or not work? Work is it, it produced expected products or it produced something that is unexpected. And then mm-hmm. if it's unexpected, maybe that's what you need to look into. Mm-hmm. Right? So as a computational chemist, so sometimes what we do is just 
reproduce reality in a way because the algorithms and the functions that we use are based on the elements that we know and mm -hmm. and we can give thermodynamic stability of unknown molecules but not unknown because they are just will we be able to predict something extremely new i don't think so because we we come from a very known area mm -hmm. so I don't know, trying to predict something new using what the tools we have is, is, is not possible. So don't, no matter how many artificial intelligence you use, mm -hmm. I think what you can do is have a reasonable, a reasonable, how is it, probability of finding something new in an area. And that's, that's when it's powerful. So your bias can tell you, look at this bit of the map and don't look at this other, but don't discard the other as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, yeah. I answered. No, yeah. reasonable way. Yeah, um, no, that makes sense. I think it, you know, it's that thing of don't judge a book by its cover, and that comes back to you know the point about women in science as well. It's that you don't want to be it, you know, a person or a chemical reaction. You don't want to try and predict how they'll react, or mm -hmm. you know, before you do or before you speak to them, before you do the reaction, because mm -hmm. you just don't, you just don't know. The universe yeah. does work in funny ways sometimes. Yeah, exactly, and, you, and, and that's. Yeah. That's the beauty of it, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, lessons, or I guess one of my favorite advice that I was given at some point was if you never discourage yourself from setting up a specific experiment. Like if if I if my head is like, no, it's not gonna work, I make myself like, no, go and try it. What if it works? So um don't yeah, never how how is that English word, you know? Don't English don't word? knock it to don't knock it till you try it or yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. thank you, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and the same with life experiences as well, right? Like, I mean, there are things I'm not going to do because I'm scared of. But some mm -hmm. others are like, well, I like food, right? Just let's try it. Maybe I'm not going to like eating snails. Oh. <laughs> but I try it, right? But I, now I can say I hate eating snails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I had that the other day. I never had peanut butter before. I don't, didn't think I liked it and I tried it and toast and it's actually really nice. Oh. Okay. Yeah, no, that's no, good. no, I love it. So, yeah. That's good. Um, oh, yeah. cool. So, so Lyle, I think we just want to say thank you for yeah being an awesome guest today. We've talked mm -hmm. about so much, to be fair, um, <laughs> yeah. in such a short time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, obviously, special mention to your cat as well for being a special <laughs> guest today. What's um, the name? Of him and uh, this this oil painting. That What's I'm... his name? Mishu. Mishu. Okay. Mishu. So, Mishu. He's a very Catalan and original name. Uh, yeah, it is very nice name. I like it. Yes, yes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Cool. And thank you so much, guys. And yeah, mm. I'll send you these two pictures so you can add them in your podcast. <laughs> and Amazing. thank you for doing this. <laughs> how would people want to, like, if they want to get in contact with you, how would they get in, in touch? Uh, the Twitter. So Twitter is the best. Twitter mm. is a very good uh, platform for lots of things, although I had bad experiences, but mostly good. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, so just reach me out on Twitter and, and you'll put the handle right after the podcast. We, we will. We'll put the handle in the episode description mm -hmm. for people. So, yeah, um, if people want to reach out to us, as always, you can over on Twitter at Can Convo's Pod. Um, and yeah, we just want to say thank you again to Laia for being an amazing guest. Um, hope you all enjoyed the episode. And yeah, we'll see you next time. Have a good day. Bye, everybody.